you, 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 you are about to experience Vegas bad boys of podcasting. Fortunately, you are about to hear lots of opinions, but uh, rarely any facts. Impersonations might occur, but uh, good luck trying to figure them out. This program is not intended for kids or the easily offended. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. You press play. It's too late to stop. Get ready to podcast. Hey there, welcome to another edition of Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting. I am DJ Impact, and I got the Vegas Bad Boys here with me. So welcome everyone to the show. And this is our three count. And we're going to give uh, three good topics here that I'm pretty sure would have you wanting to throw your opinion in there, and you can do that. Our comments uh, is, is, is always open. Go into your chat, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Twitch Live, throw your comments in, and we will try to get it in as we seem fit. All right? So with that, let's get right into our three count. It's time. Biggest bad boys of podcasting present. One, two, three. Count talk. Count talk, baby. All right, let's get to our first one. One. From F. For WOnline.com, titled Nick Khan, WWE not actively looking to sell despite interest state parties. It reads like this. Despite speculations from last year's round of cuts in both talent and front office staff, WWE President Nick Khan say they are not in active conversations to sell the company. In a profile piece for Sports Business Journal, Khan said that while they have taken some calls from interested parties, they are not actively looking to sell. Khan went into details as to why some of the major changes inside WWE were made, centering around his feelings that some lacked knowledge of media intricacies and didn't have the attitude that WWE is a global content company. Quote, Vince McMahon believed that WWE was at a place where it has earned a seat at the adult table. But others in the company didn't see it that way, end quote. And that's something that Khan told John um, Orand. He went on to say, quote, for the company to be treated the way that Vince, Stephanie, uh, McMahon, Kevin Dunn, and myself and others believe it should be treated in the community, you needed executives who reflected that, who had range but could get people on the phone and who could be taken seriously by their peers, end quote. Now, Khan didn't address any of the talent layoffs, nor did he name specific executives or departments for who he was referring to. And the article focused on WWE's deals with external partners like A&E, Netflix, and Bloom House Media for various documentaries and series, in addition to the strategy of putting out their major live event schedule in advance. The move of some of those big shows to Saturdays like, the week, like this past week's Royal Rumble was also cited all right so this is your story sin city steve tell me about it man what you think so the the ironic thing is we've had a long-running discussion on this show um as to whether or not wwe is going to sell uh in the short term or in the long term um and the fact is 
generally speaking, whenever somebody within a company says we're not actively looking to sell, they're actively looking to sell <laughs> more often than not. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, it, it's one of those things that uh, WWE actually just signed a major distribution deal with Disney. Uh, it's an, it's a multi-year deal. And um, the way that it's going to work is it's actually going to uh, allow Disney to distribute WWE's content um, to a uh, to a streaming service based in Indonesia. Mm. So long story short is this. While this might not come off as a huge thing, this is, for lack of a better term, this is a beta test. This is a test market for Disney to see exactly how well their content fits into their ecosystem okay. and to see what kind of a, uh, a response that people can get. Um, so it would not surprise me if probably this year in 2022, if we don't see WWE sell to Disney, largely based off of the success of this deal. Okay, <laughs> fellas, I mean, Nick says, we ain't selling. Sin City Steve says, they selling. Simon or Matt, what do you think? What's going on here? Well, they definitely are uh, always open to the idea of selling if the price is right and the contract is right for business. I mean, it's just business one-on-one. You always want to leave as many options on the table as you possibly can. And so as Sin City did say, you know, this uh, multi-year deal with Disney, is it indicated that they're willing to have open talks and discussions and test some things out? Uh, interesting enough, here's the thing. One big thing that people can tell you is that the WWE Network did offer more than just the pay-per-view events. They offered a huge library that is not right now. If you go on Peacock, you're not going to get the same. It's been watered down. It's been cut, streamlined. And that was something that I think that let's just play devil's advocate. If it were to be on Disney Plus, it works out great in the beta testing per se. And later on goes down the way. I could see that actively be another nugget that's added on to the Disney Plus subscription or maybe even Hulu. You need a sound streaming uh, platform that will be able to handle that massive library that's continuing to grow. And so overall, I do believe that WWE is very much interested to sell because they know that they got a hot ticket. They know it's something that can be very profitable for somebody, but they want to make sure that they wait their time mm -hmm. and let the people come to them. All right. Yeah, that'd be great if uh, Peacock didn't own the fucking library. Mm. Well, I mean, look, I don't know the details in it. Do you know the details, Matt Michaels? Please, I'll shut up and you can just tell us the, the details of how, how that's going to work. Yeah, they made a billion dollar deal with fucking NBC Universal so that the NBC Peacock service could have the network. They own it. That's okay. it. Okay. Question, question, Matt Michaels. Was that a uh, just an outright purchase or was that essentially a purchase with a lease back? Nope. Okay. Outright. Okay. Yeah. That's why it was so much. If there was a lease back, it would have been way lower than that. So, okay. and the thing is, is that what Disney is doing is they're, they're being leased out to test if they can carry it to, because NBC doesn't have the, um, remember, the network is still active overseas. Yeah. Right. So only in the States is it blanked out where, the, the fact of the matter is, is that NBC Universal controls that. But Disney could potentially buy the rights, lease out 
that library to do the overseas reach if NBC doesn't have the strong enough streaming service because I don't I don't even know if Peacock is available and no it's not yeah I would assume North shouldn't be yeah well it's fucking um, terrible well I mean I mean I'll say this the one good thing is 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 I try to simplify these type of things as best as possible if Disney's interested in this type of thing and they want it, you can expect to get a nice fat check for them to shut you the hell up and they get what they want. That's not a bad situation for NBC. Just being honest with you. I mean, if Disney wants in, Disney's going to cut them a nice check to go ahead and let them do what they'd like. But again, you're, you're, everyone is associating the WWE as a wrestling company with the, the product of, of the, uh, the library and the, and the pay-per-views there are two different things right now in terms of, you know, what, what Peacock owns. Now, if Disney buys the WWE itself, then basically it's just going to be a brand like star Wars. It's just that when they purchased the, you know, star Wars and the Muppets and Fox, you know, now remember they purchased Fox, but Fox certain portions of the Fox. They can't have uh, well, they yeah, they it wasn't sold to them. It was just the the filming company. So essentially, you could sell the wrestling company to Disney, and Disney could figure out with NBC how to do um, the actual pay per views. But most likely, NBC, unless they're willing to pay Disney billions of dollars to make their money back on it, then you know the library will stay different. Um, and if Disney acquires the wrestling company, they're not going to be doing wrestling operations. Nope. It's going to still be whoever controls the the uh, the company. All right, so let me just so, ask this with point blank, okay? Because McMahon says he wants, oh, apparently he said, allegedly he said he wants a seat at the adult table. Okay, so is WWE not actively looking to sell despite? Interested parties. Yes or no, Sin City Steve. Yeah, they're looking to sell. Okay. Simon Street, they looking to sell? Hell fucking yeah. Interesting. Matt Michaels, are they looking to sell? Not within the year. Nope. Mm. Oh, come on now. All right. That's a that's an on the fence shit. <laughs> on the fence. <laughs> I'm gonna let you have that one because I was doing it last no, week. So I'm gonna shut to up. This year, you can put that on fucking tape because it is. They're not going to sell this year. All right, all right. We got to get over into our second count. There you go. Randy Orton finds lack of respect for veterans upsetting, and this is from RingsideNews.com. It says that Randy Orton is arguably the most popular third-generation wrestler not named The Rock. Orton is a 14-time world champion in WWE and is widely regarded as the most consistent performer among OVW's, quote, legendary four, end quote, the other three being Brock Lesnar, John Cena, and Dave Bautista. Now, Orton recently sat down with Ariel Hawani for an interview, and the legend killer, legend killer talked about the temperament of today's generation of wrestlers when it comes to respecting the veterans of the industry he also talked about what have been had a been oh my god he also talked about what would have been had a been entering the industry 
today. That's how he wrote it. Okay. Quote, honestly, at this point in my career, I think, oh, this is a quote uh, from uh, Orton. Honestly, at this point in my career, I think I be understanding because I would see a lot of myself in him. If it was 10 years ago, it would have been a different story. We would have figured out how to get that younger version of me to quit, the former WWE champion said. Um, Orton also gave his opinion to the Undertaker's comment about the modern-day wrestlers playing video games and the product going soft compared to how wrestling and wrestlers were back in the day. Just a quick quote from that. He said, growing up in the business and coming in, when I was in, the guys that were in the locker room, I love Undertaker. I don't want to put my foot in my mouth here and say, quote, back in my day, guys had guns and knives. Now they just play video games. I love the video games, and I love to go to the shooting range, too. So that was uh, a little bit of what he said. He said a lot more, but let me jump over. It said, also, Orton talked about how veterans liked his father, quote, Cowboy uh, Bob Orton paved the way for younger wrestlers in the industry, noting that the level of respect among today's wrestlers for previous generations had dwindled. And part of that comment, he said, the amount of work he put and to pave the way for me to do what I did, he did that for everybody. When I first came in the business, the level of respect was apparent. What I see now, guys get the contract, put some time in NXT, and this isn't it for everybody, and I would never name names, but the general attitude coming out of NXT is, all right, I'm here, where's my stuff? All right, he said a few other things, but I'm just going to scroll down a little bit. It says, the one half of the Raw Tag Team Champions elaborating on ways through which wrestlers could show respect to their opponents, adding that some wrestlers take this business for granted and that they should stick to the team player mentality and taking care of each other. And part of that quote, he says, I think you guys that maybe weren't fans of the business that found a sport that they excelled in, maybe have an appearance or a look or an accolade, that got them here, but now they don't really get it or don't understand that when you're so big, you don't have to take any bumps because you're the mm -hmm. giant and you got the guy in the ring opposite you bumping all over the place and wearing his body down to make you look like a giant. So he says a few more things here, but just to sum it up, it just lets you know that he was a part of the Rumble this past week. So this was your story, Matt Michaels. Tell me, Randy Orton, he finds lack of respect of veterans upsetting what's your take well you got to realize um i think he, he touches on a very interesting point and that is um there seem to be what is not very obvious to you know fans on the outside mm -hmm. um there seemed to be an entitlement factor from the people from nxt going up to the main roster and that's a very interesting point that I don't think has been explored too much. Um, you know, you, you always uh, have fans rushing to the fans' conclusion. And that is, well, they did them wrong. It wasn't, they didn't do them the service of, of how they were in NXT. But you're starting to see that they're not going to be putting up with anybody uh, who's not buying into the system who, you know, is, um, you know, putting in any type of uh, negative aspects. Um, you know, uh, I think that what they're really doing is they're streamlining it so that 
the next generation that they're developing now in NXT will be that first generation that is completely taught by the WWE itself, mm -hmm. the process. And then this way you don't have guys coming in from other, you know, other backgrounds, other trainings um, that, you know, are uh, doing one line of thinking to when they get to the main roster, then um, basically killing their own uh, careers because unfortunately, um, you know, they might've uh, thought one way or the other about how good they actually are. Um, and sometimes that doesn't matter if you don't go along with what the program is, you're hired for a job. Sin City, uh, Steve, I mean, what's going on? Why, why is there not a lot of respect uh, come into the veterans in this business. So I think that we're dealing with, uh, with quite a few different factors at play. Um, ultimately, I think that this isn't just a behavior that we're seeing in professional wrestling. Uh, this is a behavior that if you work with the general public at all, or if you, uh, don't have your head buried in the sand, then, uh, you can definitely see that people are getting more and more, uh, self-centered uh, people are getting more and more entitled. And uh, I, I think that unfortunately that has uh, started to carry over a bit into the business. If what we believe Randy says is true. Mm. Um, so it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, are we going to see that, you know, other vets are going to speak up and, and talk about this very thing, or will Randy Orton come across like a, like a crotchy old guy trying to hang on to a spot? Um, because obviously we all know that the legend killer gimmick was, uh, you know, born out of him taking out people that were essentially staying in to prolong their, you know, their careers and, right. you know, people didn't want to give up their spot. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, the, the fact is, you know, I think that we've, we've had a chance to, you know, interview, uh, quite a few people and everybody that we've spoken with has come across as being very humble. Um, and I, you know, I don't know how much stock I necessarily put into Randy's quote here. Um, but at the same time, and M Michael's at, did mention this specifically, this is one of those things that we do not see, you know, uh, as much as we all want to be on the inside and have sources and, you know, parade around the Dave Meltzer, Keller, uh, Wade Keller quotes and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, we are not backstage. We do not see what's going on um, as much as we want to mm -hmm. um, or as much as some of some of the, the audience wants to. So I, I think that that's something that we need to temper expectations. And, uh, you know, let's let's if nothing else, kind of file this away. And if more people speak out about this, then, yeah you know, then it can, it can become a talking point. But until then, honestly, Randy Orton comes across as uh, a little bit uh, like the old guy trying to keep a spot. Oh, wow. Simon street. Okay. One person saying, Hey, he, maybe he's got a point. The other one saying, Hey man, get off my lawn is how he sounding. Where, where do you uh, fit in all this? Well, I mean, you know, this is something that actually, as I, I thought Sin City was going to go deeper into this, but in, in the working world right now, uh, in any important company that you're in, if you are in the management, they are now starting to include, uh, you know, generational awareness 
in understanding how to work with people with generations, whether it be the traditionalists, AKA the silent generation, anywhere that's from 1945 or below, baby boomers, obviously the 1946s to the, to, to 1964. You have generation X from 1965 to roughly about 1976. And then you have the millennials or generation Y, which is the one some of us are kind of in, which is uh, 1977 into 1995. And then of course, generation Z, iGen, Centennials, however you want to call them. And that's going to be from 1996 on now. Each generational type has a different preset of norms and taboos, the way that they look at things. You know, uh, so there is some merit to what Randy Orton is saying to a certain extent. But a lot of that is the same amount that the majority of people that's in his age category, which would be the millennials, things, the way that they operated, the ways that they were doing things. The younger generation would look at him doing, you know, like, whoa, like. Why are you trashing hotel rooms, Randy Orton? Oh, you thought we forgot about that? You know, that was things that we didn't do in the business before. And I'm not trying to put him on or trial. Or shitting in people's bags. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not trying to put him on trial for things he did a long time ago. But each generation looks at the previous generation as like, there's a better way to do it. Or that makes no sense. Why am I doing this? Or this is not what we believe in. So that's something that's just going to happen. I do believe that there is, with maybe not the culture at NXT, a sense of entitlement, but there is maybe a not understanding of expectations. And I think that that's something that the WWE is probably starting to do now with their restructure, letting them know what is the expectation of you being in NXT? What is the expected of you if you move up to the main roster? And I think that's the, the appropriate way to go. Um, as far as like, you know, the old people seeing if they, you know, actually are, you know, respecting the, the, you know, their elders or whatever call it. It's always better to do that if you start in a business and you're at the bottom of the pole. You always want to look at the people who have been successful in any business that you're in and try to learn from them as much as you can, even if you don't 100% agree with them, because there's going to be something when you get to their level of success where you, where they are to where you may learn that key ingredient that's going to give you longitude. And as far as Randy Orton, you do kind of a little bit sound like an old crotchety trying to keep your spot. Oh, my God. Yeah, but you also just proved the point, too, that the the um, what what he essentially was saying is that that respect wasn't there from certain people coming in. And yeah, that's and, and that's something that I, I this is not the first time we've heard it. We're, and I'm assuming you're speaking of NXT, correct? of them having this sense of entitlement, them coming in, not having to listen to guys who paved the way for them to be there quite essentially. So if you are speaking of that, yes, that was something in the early well, uh, goings on. Those are the only people coming in. Okay. So know. yes, in that sense, there is, and my opinion is of the firm opinion is that I think a lot of it expectations was never really fully given out. And I can't say that definitively because I'm not there, but I'm seeing a patternization of behavior so it means that either A, they don't give a shit and they just figure they're entitled or expectations were not given out to them specifically. Like, look, just because you were successful in NXT in this pawn, you come to the new uh, to the main roster. You got to essentially start over. And I think that's something that if we could find evidence to look in, what were the, the business practices then from an NXT transition to the main roster? We might find a little bit more in depth of why that shit's going on. Interesting. All righty. Good stuff, guys. Let's go right into our third count. Three. And this one is from, wow, I haven't uh, seen 
these guys for a while here. Forbes.com. It's good to see that they're uh, still writing articles. It's titled, WWE Should Open Forbidden Door to AEW New Japan and Impact Wrestling. So it reads a little bit like this. WWE has already slightly cracked open the forbidden door, but it's time to swing it wide open. Pro wrestling fans got a big surprise uh, when WWE announced that the current Impact Knockouts champion, Mickey James, one of the most decorated performers in WWE history, will be appearing at the Royal Rumble. The move was surprising both because WWE rarely utilizes talent that is contracted to other companies and because WWE released James last year after a couple of years of failing to utilize the all-time great to her full potential. Now on the surface, James' Royal Rumble appearance seems to be the way for WWE to do what is largely avoided doing over the past several years, and that's opening pro wrestling's forbidden door, that is, using stars from other companies and some variations of talent exchange. And James' upcoming Royal or past Royal Rumble appearance has already created a buzz in Impact Wrestling and across the pro wrestling world, and even more surprises was at the show. So, but this surprising turn of events may just be the tip of the iceberg, according to WrestleVotes. The internal belief in WWE is the company may also be utilizing a major outside talent in the Men's Royal Rumble match. Okay, so it says, though uh, nothing is official beyond James' appearance, and we course already know that it just says that wwe is finally becoming more open to the idea of using stars from other companies and you know what it should be then it breaks down that in 2021 how it released over 80 stars as a way to cut the cost but perhaps to pave the way for future sale of the company it's interesting that this guy thinks a sell as well huh uh the plethora of releases left the company main roster completely gutted with the glaring lack of depth across the women's tag team and men's singles divisions, that's evidenced by WWE's over-reliance on rematches, its repetitive storytelling, and perhaps most obvious by the fact that Seth Rollins is temporarily jumping over to SmackDown because the blue brand has no real challengers for Roman Reigns at the moment. And although WWE has plenty of top stars, Reigns, Rollins, Edge, Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, and Bobby Lashley, and other proven main eventers, its upper mid car and below has become so stagnant that the opening that Forbidden Door is, aside from resigning dozens of talents the company released last year, in the best possible way for WWE to ensure that its already stale product doesn't turn even more rotten. All right. Mr. Uh, Blake goes on and on and on with uh, giving his uh, points. But we're going to go over to you, Simon Street, because you thought that Mr. Blake was either right on something or wrong on something. So tell us what your thoughts are. Well, the whole reason why I brought out the uh, this particular article is because it is something that is a hot topic right now, the Forbidden Door. Obviously, it's been going around for like the last two weeks. It probably will for another two weeks. But it it, but it does paint the picture of the possibilities. And, you know, I know that some people get totally carried away with the possibilities that don't meet reality. But I do think that when you have certain pay-per-views such as a Royal Rumble and you utilize the, the, the coin phrase forbidden door, it can be helpful to being able to have outside talent if they are not currently held up by contract or whatever the case may be. I'm not going to get to the legality of that so much. But I would say it would help to fill in 
a little bit on certain pay-per-views. I do think about something that I mentioned in the other show that would be cool as a one-off. It doesn't have to involve tag titles, but man, wouldn't it be great to see the Gorillas of Destiny versus the Usos? Like that would be cool if it was a one-off and you could everybody could play nice in the sandbox just for that one-off. Um, it would be great just overall. We do know that in the past, WWE has known or have have had the bad, uh, you know, stereotype of not being able to play along and wanting to take control. I get it. You know, it's their yard. You got to play by the rules. But if this is something that can really honestly be doled out in a certain way that everybody kind of benefits based on how much they put in, I think it could be something great just for wrestling in general. And it could even benefit WWE as well. All right. What do you say, uh, Sin City Steve? I mean, it, it, it's it's all well and good to say that this should happen or that should happen, but the fact is it's not going to happen. Um, as as we know, um, it was it it took an act of God to get uh, Mickey James uh, onto the pay per view with the title. Um, I'm still completely shocked that they let that happen. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, it WWE, it, they, they're going to have to, they would have to completely turn course on 50 years of business, ta business tactics. Um, if they were to openly embrace this kind of stuff. Um, now, obviously the key thing, and I, I think something that is, that is a key differentiator is the fact that they did that for somebody with impact wrestling. Now they have worked with CMLL in the past, uh, in the, in the mid nineties. Um, and you know, there, there've been discussions about them doing, you know, having agreements with other promotions in other countries. Um, but the fact of it is they will never directly embrace their main competition, which, you know, it call it what you will their number two promotion that they're facing this, this uh, you know, during this time is AEW. Um, so if anybody is a competition to WWE and the machine that is WWE, it's AEW. Um, I don't think that they're going to allow AEW to gain any real major shine um, on any of their products. Um, and if, it, and if they do, then like I said, that's completely undoing everything that they've done for the last 50 plus years. Mr. Michaels, uh, Blake says that WWE should open the forbidden door to pretty much everybody. What do you think? Is he smoking on that good stuff, or is he uh, right? Oh, no, he's not smoking anything. That's the problem. He's got to fucking, you know, embrace fucking something good. Um, okay, so here's the thing. It's not opening a forbidden door. When Mickey James comes into a Royal Rumble, because very simply stated, what did she do? She went in there. She was in for what ten minutes, maybe something like that. And Longer than Sasha Banks. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? We also remember too. Sasha Banks just came back from injury. Yeah, she had toe injury. We don't really know if she could have gone longer. But, but the idea is is that she was eliminated, of course. Will she be back on their TV? No. So what is it doing? And, what, and this doesn't go to the idea that something like that isn't right. 
that goes to the idea of what this guy's talking about, how the um, the upper mid-card and the mid-carders, uh, they don't have enough of them, and things are going in, you know, repeated matches and et cetera, et cetera. And the truth of the matter is, is that so these one-offs, um, like you said, Simon, one-offs don't do anything for you. Because if you bring in G.O.D. to face the Usos, guess who has to win? The Usos. Well, well of course it would be the Usos winning. You know, it'd be but, preferably but if it wasn't right? for no belts or nothing. Well, if, it, if it's not for the belts, I could see but it be more workable. That's just my opinion. It ain't workable. No, 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 no. It ain't workable. It, so, so it has to be for the titles. WWE is not letting some other company's talent go over on theirs on a one-off. If they don't have an extended program in place, they're they're not going to do that. And that's why this guy's article goes into AEW. They want AEW to get top WWE talent, whereas AEW then is sending the WWE some of their younger talent or whatever to get exposure on their part. This guy makes no sense. Yeah, you he's know, a fucking moron. And he's, a, he's an AEW mark. He says he boasts arguably... AW boasts arguably the best roster in all pro wrestling. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess he didn't realize Impact Wrestling has Deanna Perrazzo. Well, so, um... <laughs> you know something, man. <laughs> but let me, you know what? <laughs> let me tell you something. I know you really are just entertained when you see Rel Velvet and, and Layla Hirsch. But I'd rather see Deanna Perrazzo. I would say I'd rather see her make her her her, her rounds than to see the ones you are interested in in AEW. Who, by the way, is quoted as arguably the best roster in all of pro wrestling. That's all I'll say about that. Well, but I will tell is... you this: I didn't pick that article for the extra shit he was saying. He was definitely extra extra on some shit. I just wanted to talk about the Forbidden Door, which is a cute comment statement. I don't like it. it's a little bit hokey. But I do like the possibility of you could bring a one-off. It ain't got to be something as big as, you know, G.O.D. in the Usos. But I'm saying, like, for the Rumble with Mickey James, that was cool. Little sprinkles here and there, it's not going to hurt nobody. Do you see what I'm saying? Have them serve a purpose. Come in, come but, out, done. It, it's like fodder. But, that's, the fodder. but that's, not, that's, not the, um, that's not the genesis of what the Forbidden Door really is. Right. Well, I know they're using something, a phrase to, to their benefit to sell articles. But I mean, it it kind of coincides a little bit with what they're talking about because they do mention it in like wrestling, pro wrestling culture. The forbidden door has been a, a phrase even when I was watching wrestling before I even knew that women look good and what I could do to them. So, I mean, it, it's, it's an old type of comment. It's an old type of comment. You know what I mean? It, it is. It's, a, it's an old type of comment. Just just ring the bell. Ring the bell. <laughs> Ring, ring. Oh no! Time out! Time out! You gonna ring the bell on me, but you ring, and ring it and, again. And, there you go. All right. You know what? I feel disrespected, but it's okay. I'm gonna move on. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Thank God. I think it's funny how Sometimes, I get the bell, but Michael's in in Impact. Both went over like 10, 15 seconds and got a lot of two minutes. But I ain't gonna talk. No, about did that. you actually hear what you said? The <laughs> right. bell is helping you, brother. Whatever, whatever, No, no, right. seriously, go back and listen to this, and you'll go. 
oh, I said that. Right. I, I knew exactly. I knew exactly what I said. I said it. It's si- Simon says that every week after he re-listens yeah, to the show. I, I, yeah, at but the we, end of the day, I said what I said. But it, we just look, look, look. If you bad enough to call me on it, hit me up. You got my social media. We could talk about it. Oh, Don't worry about hey, it. Well, ladies, be, be your get. Be, go ahead, please, <laughs> please be my. Be, come hit me up. Oh man! All right. Good stuff, guys. I uh, as always, it's um, I enjoy three counts because we really get to go all in, and uh, that's what we did this time. So, final words. Let's start over with you, Simon Street. What you want to tell the good people? Now, now be easy now, because the ring, the ring guy over here, he might ring oh the bell gosh. again. I'm just Please. saying, he's always Please. listening. Please look at the end of the ahead, day. Man. At the end of the day, for all of the people that get their 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 their, their sorts in a knot over what people say, think of the intent and think of the, what people do. There's a lot of people out here that are super polite and super nice, but have evil intent to take your money, take your freedom, and to take who you are as a person away from you. Mm-hmm. That ain't Simon Street. But outside of that, have a good freaking week. Read between the lines, and if you got a third eye, open that motherfucker. Ah, see, see. Now, that's the wisdom. I told you he's full of it. You just got to wait for it. Sin City Steve, what you want to tell the good people? He's definitely full of, he's definitely full of something. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing, doing all the shit that you do. Uh, it's awesome. We appreciate you guys so much. Um, also, special shout out to every brave man and woman serving this country, whether you're on lands, foreign or domestic. Thank you for doing what you do so that we can do what we love to do. Thank you. And uh, last but not least, repsports.com, R-E-P-P sports.com. Go there for all of your pre-workout, weight loss, and general energy needs. Again, repsports.com. Use promo code Vegas at checkout and save yourself 15%. All right, there you go. Matt Michaels. Yeah, with three count, we are all in. You'd say uh, it's almost double or nothing that uh, every time we do it, we go all out. (laughs) (sighs) That's cute. (laughs) <laughs> hey man, what can I say? We're just trying to start a revolution. Yeah, and uh, and Michaels is up for it. He's up for it. He's 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 all in with AEW. So don't worry yeah, about he, it, Sin City. He, don't you worry about it. If he's we're starting a revolution, then Matt Michaels is Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> oh boy. Well, uh, okay, okay. Uh, he, he 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 had a healthy sex life, and he lived to be what almost a hundred. So, sure. hey, and Andy's on the fucking money. You know, there you that's go. what I was thinking about. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that. And he was the one person they sent was like, "We need somebody to talk." You don't, you won't send me, and you're gonna send in Benjamin Franklin of the Vegas Bad Boys. That's you, Michaels. Guys, we always appreciate. Thank you for hanging out with us. We will. Um, We'll see you back next week. Um, I guess that's it. Take care, peace. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting.